Hello and welcome to the Rollmageddon podcast. We are playing the Alien Chimera campaign, and this is episode number one using Free League's Alien RPG system. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Free League makes some pretty awesome stuff. That is not me being sponsored. That'd be awesome if it was. Let's see. Uh, and I am Jason. I am the game master or game mother, as the game dictates. And um, let's introduce the players. There's supposed to be five players. One of them is either running late or got seriously hijacked. So we're going to introduce four players and the characters they will be playing during this particular episode. Someone go first. Hello. My name is Molly Oblivion, and uh, I will be playing a roughneck by the name of Sid Hardesty and a company agent uh, called Desiree Pepperwood. Which one are you playing today? Sid Hardesty. Sid. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know you guys the answer forgot to that already. question. Uh, no. Sid, I'll be playing Sid Hardesty today. All right. Next. Uh, my name is Sam, and today I will be playing a pilot by the name of Kestra Riker. And I am Jordy, and I will be playing my medic character today, Dr. Norman Ezra. And last but not least, I'm Ali, and I'll be playing Victor Vic Vinegar. What's his career? Colonial Marine. The big gun Can't you guy. tell from the, the voice mm. and the name? Like, obviously. I don't know. He could be a lounge singer. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. There'll be some lounging. Space Sinatra over there. So let's start with the story thus far. Floating out through the darkness of space, a ship called the Chimera. It's a science vessel belonging to Phoenix Corporation. Once part of Weyland Yutani, the most, most powerful corporation in the galaxy, the subdivision of Phoenix Research Labs was originally set up as a colony in New Lycia, far out in the Weyland Islands, the Weyland Isles sector, for people to research innovative new technologies. Scientists, their families, and all the people who were needed to make the colony function were transported there. For a while, the colony thrived, until the scientists actually made a significant technological breakthrough. Nanites, microscopic robots capable of manipulating matter at a very fine level. These nanites, at their first inception, could build basic structures from raw materials. More importantly, they could also tear down structures by disassembling those raw materials. Weyland Yutani, at this particular time, was suffering a bout of bad press. Something about biological warfare research that went out of hand caused the destruction of at least one colony at a space station. The people of Phoenix Corps decided that perhaps handing the destructive power of their nanite technology over to their parent company wasn't such a good idea. So they tried to secede. Naturally, Weyland Yutani retaliated. In the end, the colony of New Lycia was reduced to ashes and burning rubble. But many survived, fleeing deeper into the Weyland Isles sector, far enough to where their enemies might not find it economically viable to pursue them. There they set up a new home, Theria, and continued their research. Using the nanite technology, they constructed buildings and other basic materials. It was easy enough to start a colony pretty much from scratch. In Ontheria, the Phoenix Research Division was reborn as the Phoenix Corporation. Now the year is 2187. Phoenix Corp is eight years old, and some two years before we begin our story, they sent out a ship, the Chimera, to search the unexplored systems nearby and beyond, looking for signs of alien activity searching for potential unknown technology. 
And this is where our players are, working aboard the Chimera, out in the vastness of space. So far, even two years of looking has brought nothing, no results. But all that is about to change. Dun dun dun. Scene one. Sid, you're up. Wait, I have to go first? You have to go first. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, what's up? Hey, I'm Sid. <laughs> you're not going to pick up on the mic if you don't. I'm sorry. Hey, what what's going on? There you go. Sid. Yes. You're part... <laughs> Sid, you are part of B-Shift. Now, the way Chimera runs is there's an A-Shift and there's a B-Shift. It's three months on, three months in the crowd tubes. You're part of B-Shift. However, I think I fucked that up. Hold on. <laughs> so, sorry. You're normally part of A-Shift, but right now you're working B-Shift because somebody got injured and you were wo- woken up a few weeks early. Uh, you weren't supposed to be at work, uh, at work for another 10 days. Am I getting paid? You are getting paid overtime in exchange for your few weeks of lost sleep. And yeah. No big deal then. It's been three days since you were awoken to cover for this other person. And right now, you are finishing up a shift, working hard in the cargo bay, moving shit around, getting supplies to where they need to go, fixing power loaders, all the normal stuff that you do day in, day out, 12 hours a fucking day. Or Phoenix Corp. I feel like you want me to be unhappy about my life. Well, I mean, it's it's a job, so naturally it's designed to make you unhappy about your life. <laughs> what if I like the work? Oh, well, then maybe you're happy. Maybe I am. But it has been. Somebody got injured? I mean, who were they? Did I like yeah. them? How did they get injured? Uh, just another worker. Probably someone you have no feelings for either oh, way. Yeah. What was their name? Why are you asking for names of insignificant characters that are currently in cryotubes? <laughs> um, I, I, don't I don't know. Why does it and, take and you why are you to come up with character NPC lists? Because you put so much thought into all these fucking NPCs. <laughs> I'm, I'm more curious as why Vic wants to know, considering he's not even there. <laughs> Am oh, I alone? Am I was, I was, as, I was asking this as, as a player, just out of curiosity, so that I could maybe make fun of him later. Is there uh, nobody? His name's uh, Bill. Bill. Yeah. Is there nobody helping me? I'm working alone. No, you are entering, ending a shift. There are plenty of people around you moving stuff. But not Vic. Packing up. Vic is a Marine. He's not moving cargo. <laughs> you guys are l- already l- making this l- l- Listen, listen, listen. There are, the, there are those of us that move cargo, and there are those of us that don't. <laughs> and Vic doesn't move cargo. <laughs> so the end of the shift is coming up. Uh, the assistant head of logistics, one Mr. Brody Petrovic, has been riding everyone's ass all day. And you're looking forward to getting away from your load lifter. Oh, he's my rival. He is. Yeah, okay. Uh, you're looking forward to getting away from your load lifter and maybe getting a drink with the crew afterwards. Just a quick quick description of Mr. Bo- Brody Petrovic. He's a wiry and almost scrawny looking guy, pasty skin, and a pockmarked face, average height, black hair, brown eyes. And um, his motto, as you've all learned, is if there's time to lean, there's time to move some more crates. <laughs> Which is why nobody likes him. (laughs) (laughs) So he's basically like a Burger King manager. (laughs) (laughs) So he's like a manager at like a fast food place. Oh yes, yes. (laughs) But clearly not as clever as some, since he doesn't even know how to make a fucking proper rhyme. 
He's more mm. like the assistant manager who's desperately vying for that managerial position that he knows is going to be open in six months. My girlfriend Christina said that she'd really like me if I made manager. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you're just getting out of your power lifter. You parked it. You're sweaty from working. The people around you, your fellow roughneck cargo bay types, are all moving around, doing stuff. And you're approached by your actual head of logistics, a man by the name of Odin Sullivan, also nicknamed the Norseman, because of the way he wears his beard, apparently. And his first name, probably. <laughs> You're not sure how he got the nickname, because I didn't write a backstory for that. <laughs> anyway, he's a burly guy, very well-toned, very dark skin, very long dreadlocks that hang down to his waist that are currently tied up so they don't get tangled up in any sort of machinery. Um, he's about average height, but he has these brilliant blue eyes. His uh, motto is, work hard, play hard, fight harder. And he walks up to you. Sid, looking tired. Feeling tired? No, I mean, well, you know, it's been a long day. But, uh... Well, I got uh, one more thing for you to do if you be able to take care of it for me. Uh, sure, what you need? Well... You've been out three days, and um, I think it's time. He claps his hands above his head. And the crew turns. You see the eager expectation on your face, and you recognize the clap. It means it's time for Robot Fight Club. Ah, <gasps> <laughs> oh, man, I missed this so much. <laughs> Says you're number four right now, and he glances over at Brody. Time to vie for number three. I have to fight Brody. Yep. Hey, you beat Brody, you get to come after me, number two. Ah, oh, man. All right, all right, let's 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 do this. Quick uh, sidebar, what did you name your power loader? Oh, we can get into that later, you can think about <laughs> it. I was going to ask you later if your power loader had a, a battle uh, name. Yeah, no, my power loader's name is Jet. All right. Okay. <clears throat> <laughs> so immediately Odin starts pointing to different people. He's like, you, take care of that, take care of that, clear the area. Go get Delaros. Have him bring, uh, have him bring the machine, and uh, make sure that the bulkheads, you know, accidentally malfunction. And people just start scrambling. And Brody looks over and kind of stares at you, gives you a dirty look, cracks his knuckles. And then, I, I blink. And then we'll get back to you because we're switching scenes. Oh, okay. I feel like it's going to take me some time to. To really settle into the personality of, of Sid Hardesty, because I've never played a character like her before, so I apologize to any listeners for like any sort of characteristic inconsistencies. <laughs> Gonna take some time. Kestra. Kestra. <laughs> Kestra. <laughs> you are a part. <laughs> you're a part of B Shift, which means you're supposed to be going to sleep in about ten days. Life has been not very exciting. Um, as a pilot, you basically take the shuttle out. Look around a new system when you arrive. Or go out to assist with the scientists and their little nanobots as they go out to collect raw materials from nearby celestial bodies, gas giants, all sorts, to make sure the ship keeps running and stays in one piece. However, most of your time is spent maintaining the ships and finding things to distract yourself. Drinking, gambling, fighting, whatever floats your boat. Right now, you're in the cockpit. You're out on patrol. You're... 
circling a blue-white star. Lifeless planets all around it. A thick asteroid belt breaking up the empty space between the planets. Suddenly, the lights in the cockpit go red, and there's an alert sounding. You look down at the display to see three blips. A designation readout appears beneath the radar. Wayland yutani scout fighters. They've seen your patrol craft and are on an intercept course right for you. You're still quite a ways out from the safety of the Chimera, pretty much on the other side of the star at this point doing your patrol. There are a few planets around in the asteroid belt nearby as well. And while these Wayland yutani uh, scout fighters are just tiny, small, made to move fast, you know, scout craft, you're definitely outgunned. Each one of them appears to be, from your readout, armed with two missiles and a short-range gun. So, what are you going to do? I'm excited I finally get to see some action. <laughs> it's also going to be really hard for me to keep out this accent. But. <laughs> uh, I figured I would take these guys on, but since I'm seriously outgunned, I'm going to take my spaceship and hide in the nearby asteroid belt. All right. So your ship is armed with two short lance ASAT missiles and one light railgun turret, which is a short-range weapon. The ASAT missiles are long-range weapons. So you begin steering toward the asteroid belt. I'm going to now have you make a piloting roll. Okay. First roll! Oh, by the way, uh, the presence of the fighters has pumped your adrenaline. You gain one stress level. How many do I roll? Uh, you're going to roll as many dice as your piloting skill, or it's your, basically your piloting plus the uh, statistic that it's based on, and then you will also add the stress die. So nine total. All right. Here we go. First roll. Cool. I got a six. Yeah, one six. One six. All right. You begin. You turn off, veer off, head towards the asteroid belt. The ships behind you... Uh, are keeping pace, but they're not really gaining. You detect them trying to make a target lock on you, so they can launch one of their missiles. All right. You manage to sort of dip and dodge, and your computer gives you the indicator that the target lock failed. So they just continue moving towards you as you go into the asteroid belt. Now you know going into the asteroid belt is going to be a problem because there's a lot of you know rocks flying around. You're mm-hmm. gonna have to dip and dodge. The Whaley and Yutani scout craft appear to be following you. They are uh, do not look like they are intimidated by the fact that you're going into the asteroid belt. Now, just as a quick heads up on what you can do in combat, if you want to launch one of your missiles, you first might need to make a target lock on them. And then you can launch them. Of course, you need to be facing towards them to launch your missiles. So mm-hmm. there's a complication there. If they make a target lock on you, you can attempt to evade an attack. You can attempt to go dark like by powering down your sensors or your engines so they have a harder time getting a target lock on you. Uh, you can launch, launch countermeasures against a missile as it's coming towards you and attempt to uh, basically have the missile hit uh, like a cloud of flak instead of your ship. You can also, if it get, once the missile gets in close, use your light turret to try to shoot the missile down. Missiles are fairly slow. They're also fairly powerful. So if one hits you, it's probably bye-bye. The other things you can do in general, uh, as a pilot, you can accelerate or decelerate. You can maneuver to do uh, special sort of things, or you can use a piloting role to 
trade initiative cards with your opponent. We're going to get initiative here in just a second. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, basically it. Or anything else you can think of, really. <laughs> okay. So um, let's do initiative cards. We're going to see who gets to go first here. The way this works is there's one through ten on these. And you pick one. And then I pick one. And we get to see who goes first. So I have a number one. Can I tell you what I have? Yep. I have a two. All right. So you're a... I, I honestly don't know if they go high to low or low to high. I mean, I every initiative is usually high to low, so we're just going to go high to low. Okay. So you get the first thing. You go into the asteroid field. Now, there are rocks everywhere. You're going to have to sort of maneuver through this field. You're going to need to make a piloting roll. By the way, just the very thought of going into the asteroid field, now you see the sheer amount, these just thousands upon thousands of small rocks flying this way and that, some of them going moving at speeds faster than your fighter. Or then your shuttle gives you a stress level. So you're now at two stress level. <laughs> this is just a little demonstration yeah. of how right. quickly stress can pile right. up in the alien game. So now you need to make a piloting roll to, in order to not um, run into anything. All Let's right. see how dangerous. I roll a six out of dice here and see exactly how dangerous it is. Oh, right now uh, it's heavy. So you're going to be three dice lower. You're moving right into the worst part of it. So I take away three of these. You're going to take away three dice. Okay. I roll again. Yep, roll your piloting. <laughs> Yeah. How many did you get? Uh, I got one six. One six and no ones? No nope. ones. All right. So you managed to dip and dodge. You see this giant asteroid coming at you from the right, and it, like all these small ones seem to be coming right at you, and you managed to kind of just twist your ship and skirt right by this large rock. You almost feel it scrape the whole of your ship. Maybe that's just your imagination. But, uh... It was a pretty daring maneuver. Now these other guys are coming up behind you, following you into the asteroid field. Now they need to make their rolls. My dice are not with me. <laughs> no one can outfly oh Castor. <laughs> I have never rolled so poorly in my life. Well, maybe try to keep up with me. Oh, well, no, this guy got three sixes. Uh, well, one that makes one it for The first two end up Basically not having a good time uh, trying to follow you right through this complicated array of uh, flying rocks. One of them gets hit directly by the largest of the asteroid. Now he needs to roll his armor. Uh, he did not make it. His ship blows up and it's just a shower of scrap. The other guy scrapes off the side of a smaller rock. Unfortunately, his armor... Oh, hang on. He gets four armor. Nope. I'm rolling a lot of ones over here. These alien dice, I think, are cheaty. <laughs> In the bad way. Uh, yeah, he scrapes, but it scrapes, basically scrapes a very sensitive part of his ship, sending all his fuel out, creating a spark, and you just see the tail of his ship light up as it goes spiraling deeper into the asteroid field, eventually hitting another rock. Only the final ship behind them manages to kind of come through, and as he does, he does this sort of spectacular spin maneuver where he gets right up behind you, and it is his turn, so he's going to attempt a target lock. He successfully target locks. So this is the way combat works. You get a slow action, you get a fast action. There are things called reactive actions, in which case you can do something out of your turn, but you sacrifice a future action. It's usually a fast action, but you can do two reactive actions and then dump your slow action as well. Uh, examples might be like a slow action is to shoot a weapon. A fast action might be to aim or fire a weapon. So it really depends on the intensity of what you're doing. Most attacks are going to be slow actions. Uh, here's some other examples of fast actions. Run. 
uh, move through a door, stand up, pick up an item. Any case, so you can, if you wish, attempt to evade as a react uh, reactive action, or you can attempt to launch countermeasures and drop the flag. Um, if you're evading, you're going to be making a piloting roll. And if you're launching countermeasures, you're going to be making a ranged combat roll. I will drop countermeasures. All right, make ranged combat. However many dice that is, along with the two stress dice. No whammies. Oh, shit. Oh, I got a alien. But I got a six, too. So you got one six? I got one six and one of the stress dice. All right. one. The one six, six eliminates the one success uh, from the attack, which basically negates the attack. So you manage to drop the flak at the last moment, and the missile hits the flak and blows up right behind you, but it shudders your ship. And now you need to make a panic roll. Roll a six-sided die, and you're going to add two because that's your current stress level. We're going to see if you freak out or not. So roll just one six-sided die. Just one six-sided die. Just yep. one six-sided die. Yep. Plus the stress ones or no? No. Those no, you're just going to add your stress, stress level, level to it. So roll. plus two. Five. So five total. You're okay. You keep it together. You manage to keep your nerves in check. Barely. That's what it says right here on the panic, <laughs> panic chart. All right. All right, so uh, your target locked. He fired on you. Uh, you did the countermeasures, so that's going to count as your fast action. So what you do is you have a slow action now to choose to do whatever you'd like. Okay. I'm going to pull out of the asteroid field and wait for him to follow me. Okay. Uh, make a piloting check. We'll see how how uh, difficult it is to get out. It's going to be not that bad, so you're actually going to subtract one die. Okay. So you managed to find a light uh, area of the asteroid field and dip through where it's a little safer. I roll, I roll yeah, the two. Still, still roll the two. Yep. yep. No. Every time. I need some tea. <laughs> Somebody have some marijuana. I got one six and no aliens. Uh, no, you got two more sixes. Oh, I did. Oh. Yeah, those Do are a little stress die count. Yes. Is oh. a success? Oh, cool. Yes, you can do amazing things when you're under Stressed stress out. and adrenaline, okay. filled well, with adrenaline. Castro's going to show these guys what piloting's all about, and she just does like a spectacular flourish, like, floop out of the asteroid. All right, so you got how many total? Yeah, three. Three? All right, so you can do that, and so that's a stunt. So you get yeah. two stunts to choose. Okay. One, you're showing off, obviously, okay. <laughs> which is a stunt, and the other one it means that you're going to get a plus one to your next piloting well i was gonna say okay. you might want to maneuver in a way that you can attack them instead of having your ass i said i pull i flipped around oh, right okay. is that kind of oh so you're flying out and I'm then trying to do a spin like, and spinning around the opposite way so oh, 180 so i'm facing him as he's pulling out of the asteroid field all right so let's see if he makes it out of the asteroid field <laughs> his friends did not do so well uh no six <laughs> my life is terrible let's see and he's running right at one of the largest asteroids ever I okay, this was exciting, yeah. and he blows up. All right, well. so you turn around, you spin, and manage to basically position yourself in a way, and he's coming straight at you, and he doesn't even see that you position yourself in just a way where this large, very large rock is coming passing between the two of you, and he notices a little too late, and just barrels right into it. There's an explosion. Eat it. That was Fucker. a lot shorter. Than the amount of time it took me to put it together. <laughs> Go, Kestra. Go, Kestra. 
Okay, Try to follow me again. <laughs> that job. Just stroke your combat. <laughs> Chill out. This is for you, Dad. As the last fighter blows up, the lights in your cockpit dim. The display, display panel in, in front of you goes blank. And then it lights up shortly thereafter. It says, you have successfully defeated level five. Congratulations. Your current score is 17. New high score. You then hear the sound of a hydraulic lift hissing as it lowers the cockpit. A door opens on the side, revealing the rest of the B-shift pilots gathered around to watch your performance. And they all start cheering. And you see money being exchanged. A lot of happy faces, particularly uh, one individual by the name of Andrew Andy Lip. He's a little on the shorter side, brown hair, mostly shaved down, military style. He's a reg- one of your regular co-pilots. Um, He's also a bit hyper-fixated on your father. He's always asking you questions. and He seems to know more trivia about your father's career than you do. And he is very happy because he's being handed large mounds of cash because you just beat the high score of a man standing in the back looking disgruntled but not, not completely upset that you beat his high score. But he's a very competitive individual. You know he's going to be coming for blood next time. This is Corporal Michael Steelhands Callan. He's kind of balding on the top. He shaves the sides up. Middle-aged, blue eyes, a little on the taller side, a little bit lanky, and he's very cocky and competitive, like classic, generic, like Top Gun pilot kind of guy. So you step out of the flight simulator. <laughs> Eat it. That's how I it's was done. so hoping you were going to die in this scene know, because right? everyone would have just liked it. Like, you killed someone first yeah. game. <laughs> then it just would have been game over. Ew. Not supposed to hope your players die. Yeah. Well, it wasn't really going to die. That was the whole point. I was trying to shock you all. <laughs> That's pretty funny, but I rolled so terribly. Anyway, um, now that you get out of the cockpit, your adrenaline starts to go down. Uh, so you lose one stress level. You still have one from the residual adrenaline. That will wear off over time. And he steps up and starts congratulating you. And he hands you a stack of bells. Looks like to be about 200 credits. Says, uh, good job. You beat a score. You beat Steelhand's score. I had all the money on you. I totally had all the money on you. Ah, oh, you're so good. You're just like your dad. You're just like your dad. One of these days, you might be better than your dad. I don't know. He was the best, but one of these days. And uh, as people are sort of celebrating, and if the, the liquor starts to come out, even though your shifts, you know, technically your training shifts aren't technically over, um, a janitor pokes his head through the door into the flight simulator room. And he says, hey, hey, guys, Cargo Squad's having another rumble. The doors are locking up in five. Better get your ass down there. And he immediately turns and bolts. At this point, all the pilots begin storming out of the room and not running, but fast walking uh, toward the after the ship down to the cargo bay. Do you follow them? I do. Yeah. I love a good fight. All right. And you head down toward the cargo bay. Do I get to keep that money? Yes, you do. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. I didn't get any money in my scene. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> You'll get paid at the end of your Learn shift. Learn how to, oh, okay. to pilot. <laughs> All I got was like a weird surprise party and some attitude. Hey, you're about to get in like a guy. big loader battle. You're going to win <laughs> something. Come bet on Castro. At least some honor. <laughs> Victor Vic Vinegar. Your B shift. Ten days before you go into the tube. Been working for almost three months, so every day is pretty much the exact same thing. Boring. There's never any conflict. 
So you end up spending your days doing drills, practicing with fake weapons that don't shoot real bullets because there's only a limited amount of bullets on the on board, you know, the ship. But your platoon, platoon commander, Charles Smith, uh, he likes to keep you busy. Quick description, if I can find him. Ah, Smitty's a real whipcracker. He is a sergeant. He's old and grizzled, perpetually unshaven, blonde hair and a marine cut, dark eyes. Has a commanding attitude, just from years of experience, but he's not aggressive. He welcomes questions, but not stupid ones. And his motto is, I don't care if there's nothing to shoot. Stay sharp so that when the shit hits the fan, you don't end up dead. And he has a general tendency to get really pissed at people who don't do their job or take orders. So So you're finishing up another round of practice. You've basically been running laps around the halls of the Chimera until you're sweaty and tired because you got to stay in shape. Sergeant Smith always runs everybody into the ground. Your crew's there with you. Other Marines that are on B-shift. There's 12 of you in total. Lots of grumbles from people who convinced they'll never see action and are just getting sick of just having to fucking run laps every day. Call it you know, a career in the Marines. Or at least, you know, what passes for the Marines within the organization of Phoenix Corp. Everyone's showering and getting ready for another night of drinking, gambling, fighting, whatever comes up. And then you see Sergeant Smith comes wandering in. All right. He looks around. You see a familiar look on his face, one that people don't like to see. I need a volunteer to help and go deal with picking up some cargo issues. Now, picking up cargo, um, the roughnecks in the cargo bay and the Marines don't exactly sit on the friendliest of terms. When you have to go down and grab cargo from them, they have a tendency to... Um, run you around in circles, not give you the right stuff. Just generally troll the fuck out of you. So it's considered the shittiest duty in the Marines. For example, the last time somebody was supposed to get go down and pick up a crate full of coffee, soap, and some other basic necessities, they returned with an entire crate full of tampons, which is still hasn't been picked up after two months. So, um, yeah, due to that fact, you're basically all running out of soap and coffee right now, and it's miserable. And so... Sergeant Smith says, who thinks they got it in them to go in after hours, no less, and get us some fucking coffee and some fucking soap at the very least. At this point, most of the rough or most, sorry, uh, most of the Marines kind of just turn their heads and start looking like they're doing other things. Vic, what do you do? Well, I have a two in empathy, so um, look busy. <laughs> Make a manipulation roll. Fuck. Oh. Uh, I didn't succeed. All right. Uh, you attempt to uh, clean, start polishing your boots. And you realize that you picked up the person next to you's boots. Oh, here. Let me, let me get this. Let me get this for you, man. Smith comes up, rolls right up to you. All right. Looks like it's going to be you, Vic. Oh, Smith, Smith, I'm, I'm busy polishing my boots here. Well, you can always polish them later. Well, uh, uh, how about Smith here? He, he looks like he's not busy. Uh, I am Smith. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, Smith, uh, what are you doing right now? That's funny, because I heard you were tough. I didn't know that you'd get riled up and stick uh, end up uh, Smith, Smith, tucking Smith, your tail Smith, between Smith. your wings. Don't, 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 don't. I'm question. sorry, Vic. Uh, don't, don't question my man. I'll, I'll, I'll Vic, go. <laughs> I'll right. go get. I'll go get some. I'll go get some. Vic, you interrupt me one more time. I'm going to put a bullet through your kneecap. And he puts his hand on his gun. Um, you've heard rumors of him doing things like this. You've never seen it. I'll. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna put my my hand on my balls. <laughs> uh, I, I tell I, you what, Vic. I'll sweeten the pot. You go down there and manage to return here before midnight with some soap and some fucking coffee. I'll give you two days paid leave. You got yourself a deal. Everyone immediately turns and looks and now like is looking like they regretted just not volunteering. Like, fuck, I'll deal with a bunch of fucking shitty roughnecks for two days. Sorry, boys. Uh, I suppose I'll see you later. Um, here's your boots back. I'll toss the boot back to whoever. Son of a bitch. I just polished so you smeared it up. Well, I got some time. So you head on down to the cargo... Well, you get dressed. You head on down to the cargo bay, uh, pumping yourself up for what will most likely be two hours of getting the runaround before you maybe get what you need. You walk in, and you see one of the guys, like a requisitions guy, standing there with a clipboard. It looks like they're closing up for the night. He knows that there's a lot of activity going around. And he kind of looks over at you, looks down at your marine badge, and just rolls his eyes. Ah, uh, how you doing, friend? I'll, I'll approach him. Hey, if it isn't one of the jarheads. Ah, uh, yes, yes. I uh, just just got my head out of it, actually. Uh, I was hoping to pick up some soap and some coffee from you. Soap and coffee? Didn't we? You know, I believe we just gave you some soap and coffee. I think you're over your limit on that, actually. Um, I'm How afraid much soap not... do you guys need? How bad well, I got, do you smell? I got a requisition form right here. It's filled out. Uh, I'm going to need you to just, just get me a crate of some soap and some coffee. You know, I'm probably... Probably gonna need to pass that through onto the the, the guy above me. He's buddy, not buddy, here buddy, right now. Buddy, and then hey, he's buddy. probably gonna need to send it to the requisitions requisitions guy. And but he basically just starts spouting out bullshit at this point. Um, tell you what, um, I got this beautifully rolled joint. I was gonna go and enjoy it after I got off work. Right here, you can look, and I'll I'll pull out this beautiful joint. Um, and I'll say, listen, I will, I'll give this to you. I, I know you guys, you guys like giving us the runaround and I get it because, you know, the, the rest of my platoon there, they're, well, uh, they're kind of dumb. Uh, but I'm, I'm really looking to get this done in like under a couple hours here. And I know you guys are going to fuck with me a little bit, but can, can we just, can we maybe just cut the shit? I'll give you this joint. Like you can enjoy Make it. Make a manipulation roll, but give yourself one extra dice for the bribe. I got a six. All right. He looks at you. He looks at the joint. He snatches it out of your hand and kind of smells it, tucks it away. Says, I think we can get you what you need. And he's interrupted by the sound of the uh, head of logistics, the cargo bay guy, clapping his hands up in the air and barking out orders. And people start running around and... All of a sudden, he this guy seems to lose interest in you. He goes, oh, shit, they're going to fight. And you've heard about these robot fights, this ro- this um, power lifter battle arena, so to speak. May have even come to one or two of them. They have them about every, they have them once, basically once per shift. So once every three months. And they're also incredibly frowned upon by all of the higher ups because it damages a lot of equipment and sometimes damages people. Uh, 
as you're standing there, the bulkhead doors leading in and out of the cargo bay in various places all close. And you hear somebody across the room yell, oh, I malfunction. Ah, it's going to take hours to get these open. And then we switch scenes. To Dr. Norman Ezra. Ezra. <laughs> Dr. Norman Ezra. Good day. Chief biologist in charge of finding ways to make the nanites function with biological material, thus increasing their viability, um, increasing the amount of things they can do. You've been working both A-shift and B-shift lately. The company places a very high priority on getting the nanites to be able to affect organic matter. After all, that would solve a lot of problems with deep, deep space exploration, being able to sort of build your own food if needed. Unfortunately, your experiments have not been going all that well. Progress is incredibly limited. As a matter of fact, you had to perhaps fudge the truth a little bit with regards to your reports and how much progress you are making in order to get them to let you continue working double shift. So they may have some questionable data in their, in their um, files at this point. You are currently working with your assistant, Laura, uh, see, Dr. Lorna Haps. She's uh, of a slight build, very curly, poofy red hair, bright green eyes. Sort of a cheerful and upbeat person who's always eager to work, always very attentive. You might say her motto is, science is fun. I can't wait to discover something new. And you are currently studying some rats. With the help of your assistant, you've injected nanites into the rats, and you've set the nanite protocols for cellular regeneration. You've been watching the rat for a good hour, taking notes, seeing what it does, and then all of a sudden, within a matter of a few minutes, the rat in question begins to grow tumors, and then it seems to rapidly age, and then eventually dies. Yet another failed experiment. Oh, bother. <laughs> Please take notes and mark down for me, uh, Dr. Dr. Haps. Uh, see how long that one lasted this time. Uh, yeah, yes, of course. Of course. Uh, um, Dr. Ezra. <laughs> I had to look at the sheet. <laughs> Not know everybody's name by heart yet. Um, I just, I really like to ask, um, I mean, do you really think we should be going in so ambitious? I mean... Complete age reversal? Uh, maybe start with getting them to heal a small cut or changing eye color or maybe? She looks very like as if questioning your methods uh, is probably the improper thing to do, but she's doing it anyway. I suppose a little bit less uh, jumping the gun would be a bit better, but... um. We really want to continue with these research. We need to figure out how to get big results quickly. Oh yes, I understand. Of course, yes. I mean, you know, aim aim for the stars. After all, um, I'll just um, I'll get some more rats out of the cryo storage and start thawing them out, so we can get started on the next experiment. I suppose if you wanted to, you might be able to requisition a small amount of nanites and run some experiments yourself when I'm not working. Oh, um, I, I mean, um, is there paperwork for that? We should be like, 
I mean, I would love to, but I just, I, I, I just feel, they feel like I might be lost without your expertise. I'd say uh, just write up some theories, and if it seems promising, uh, just run it by me, and we can work it out. Okay, yeah, yeah, I can do that. Um, yeah, let me get, let me get some more, let me get some more rats. We'll start dying them out. She goes to the back room, where you keep your little, basically refrigerator full of cryo-stored rats. Thaw them out so that they're you know nice and fresh. And she comes back out a few minutes later, looking crestfallen. We appear to have gone through the last. We're we're going to have to, and she looks like almost terrified at this point. Go down to the cargo bay and requisition more from the cargo crew. You know she has had some uh, problems dealing with the the roughnecks in cargo before, as most people on the ship do. They don't seem to agree necessarily with anybody who really is higher up in the company or any of the military. How about you wrap up and sterilize the rest of these tools here and dispose of, uh, oh gosh, what did we name this one? Uh, Inky 2738? <laughs> oh, I don't even know anymore. It's all in the notes, sir. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll clean up here. She looks relieved that she doesn't have to go deal with the cargo crew. Take the rest of the night off, I suppose, after that. Uh, yeah, oh, thanks. Mm-hmm. So, um, you head down to the after the ship where the cargo, uh, cargo, cargo bay is. And as you're walking down there, you pass one of the ship's many cryo chambers. These are sort of large, round-ish rooms that are filled with this... Um, like circle of cryopods with the device in the middle that sort of makes them work, however that science works. And you find yourself walking in, kind of almost involuntarily, and you look down at one of the pods that's still closed, and you see a small boy of around 11 years old. And you know who this is, obviously. This is Teddy. Teddy has a very unique genetic issue, kind that means he only has a few years left to live. So he spent most of his days in cryosleep. Ever since you found him, more than a decade ago, I believe. What do you do? I put my hand on the window screen of the cryopod and reach into my jacket and pull out a photograph. All right. What is this photograph of? Stare at a photograph of my dead wife, Liza. She holds the baby Teddy in her arms. Oh, Liza. You have your moment. Then you remember you got to go down, get to the cargo bay before they end their shift. Otherwise, it's going to be twice as difficult to get anything out of them. So you hurry on down. And you notice a lot of people moving very quickly towards the cargo bay. And so you continue walking and then. Just as you're walking into the bay, you hear all of the bulkhead doors leading into the cargo bay start slamming shut. People are there's dozens and dozens of people in the bay now, most of them who don't work there, and everyone seems in a very high state of agitation. And you hear someone scream something about, "Oh, it looks like the doors are malfunctioning. Could take a couple hours to get those fixed." You look around and see the two people, uh, one woman, one skinny dude. Appear to be crawling into load lifters as um, a large man, you know, as 
Odin Sullivan, the person in charge of the cargo bay, walks to the center of the room. Looks like Sid got herself into another one of these scraps. The doors have just closed, locking everybody in, whether you want to be there or not. And into the center of the room, large, dark-skinned man, he's let his dreadlocks down now, they hang to his waist. He holds up his arms very presentationally and lets out in a booming voice. Here is another round! The Power Loader! Battle Arena. This time, it's number four versus number three. An old rivalry born anew. Two seasoned vets of the sport come again to clash and settle once and for all who reigns supreme in the arena. On one side, the challenger, and he points to Sid as you're strapping in. flex (laughs) before I strap in. Ranked number four in the arena, she's rough, tough, and strong enough to knock the teeth out of your face with a backhand slap. She is the mistress of machines, the lady of the lifters, the woman who will bite your fucking finger, fingers off if you try to cop a feel. Sid, the shark hardesty, in her bot jet. The crowd at this point begins cheering, and people immediately start migrating towards particular people and exchanging cash around. You see that the betting has be already begun. And on the other side of the arena, and he points to the skinny guy that's pretty much already strapped into his, and he's like in the process of spinning the arms around and kind of like flexing the machine to get a feel for it. On the other side of the arena, a man whom everybody loves to hate. And everybody starts booing. Boo! This is very much like a sort of WWE thing where one guy's the good guy and one guy's the bad guy. He's the one you have to listen to whether you like it or not. The systematic superior, the administrator of automatons, and the crusher of those futile dreams you have of getting out of the cargo bay early early enough to have a drink with your friends. Brody the Bully Petrovic. (laughs) At this point, he spins his uh, the cargo lifters like forks and clenches them together and holds them up like two giant middle fingers at the audience. <laughs> Douchebag! <laughs> In his load lifter, the management. Oh my god. That is, he's the worst. <laughs> it's basically a million dollar man. <laughs> so you're all suited up. You take a few steps towards the middle of the arena so you're just sort of within stretching room and Odin stands there for a second and he screams back. Delaros, bring out Daft Bot. And this man steps out, wide smile on his face. You know him as the chief comms officer. Guy who's frequently in, gets in trouble for playing over the comms, this old 80s earth music that he seems to have a fascination with, or late century, you know, 20th, 21st century earth music. Behind him on wheels little unstable is this bullet-shaped device. It's painted half gold and half silver. Across the top of it is this sort of like black like visor-like thing. And along the body of it are these translucent pieces of plastic embedded in it. On the top, a big red button about the size of a fist. All I'm seeing is a Dalek. Mm. Am I the only one mm. picturing Dalek? I'm seeing a butt plug with a button on top. <laughs> of course you would. <laughs> I'm thinking like Daft Punk bullet. (laughs) He reaches down and he slams the button. 
the little bot kind of moves, starts skirting out closer to the uh, the load lifters and begins just sort of spinning around and then twirling and the lights start flashing like sort of like this disco strobe and all of a sudden the music starts playing harder better faster stronger <laughs> and then Odin lets down his hand he says let the fight begin and everybody just goes fucking nuts we, now, so now yeah before we, before we yeah, yeah. yes let's, throw, let's throw your bets, bets. down yeah, yeah. go quick wait what's 50 the, ounce Sid? what's the uh, what's what all i got huh, the odds yeah uh odds no. are no you don't need to know the odds well that's how they pay out though uh, yeah i mean like if, if it's like uh, in the it's always the same it's based on rank uh the odds are always um two to one four so it's Two for, two to one for the lower ranked person, or one to two, one to two. Yeah, I can yeah. never remember how the yeah, yeah. odds things goes. Basically, you bet a dollar, you get two if Sid wins, and if you bet on I'll bet the other guy, it's one for one. I'll bet three hundred and fifty on on the the underdog. <laughs> okay. No, I'm on you. Yeah, you're I'm the underdog. Yeah, you're ranked yeah, four. Ranked four, yeah. and he's ranked three. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't understand sports. Basically, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Three fifty. I'm betting it. I'm betting two hundred on Sid as well. <laughs> All right, you have to go around the room a couple of times to get enough like people that have enough spare cash <laughs> to be willing to shout three fifty. Uh, the bookies, look. Rather surprised to see so much money flying around, but apparently people have been waiting for this match for a long time. They know that Sid and Brody frequently uh, bump heads, and so they're excited to see this go down. <clears throat> Norman gets a seat as close as possible. All right. He's the medic, so, you know. Um, I'd like to look around for Kestra. Uh, make an observation roll. Uh, I got a success. All right, you do see Kestra across the room. Looks like talking to a different bookie. Uh, I'll wander over. All right, you wander over, skirting the fight, which is basically starting at this point. Uh, Kestra, who are you betting on? Uh, I'm betting on Seb. Oh, nice. Uh, I'm in the same boat. Let's go get a front row seat. Yeah. <laughs> you guys <laughs> muscle your way to the front, um, much to the chagrin of several janitors who just seem to be getting pushed to the back by all the roughnecks <laughs> and other uh, larger individuals. Now, first things first, Sid, you are going to gain a stress level as your adrenaline kicks in before the fight. What the F? Maybe I, maybe I like the rush. Maybe it's the opposite of stress. Maybe my zen is being like, you know, like. Well, you oh. get a stress level because you're about ready to go into combat. <laughs> and your rank's on the line. And if you lose to this guy. You are dead. never going to live it some, down. You owe me some fucking money. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fine. Now, the way this is going to work is, first of all, you're going to get some initiative. We'll do that in just a second. The goal of the fight is to knock the other power loader completely to the ground. So there are a number of different things you can do. I'm just going to read them off. You can try to shove your opponent back. Okay. So you can like knock them into some crates around here. Happens a lot. A lot of things get broken. Um, if you're successful and they get shoved they get a minus one on their next roll and it also tends to you know spill shit on the ground you can attempt to knock them down that uses close combat so by the way these shove uses close combat knock down att uh, attempt uses close combat and you need at least two successes to be to for it to work 
Now what happens is though you need to knock them down twice in a row. So the first time you kind of knock them off balance and drop them to one knee. The second time you do it, they're flat on the ground. You can also attempt to grapple your opponent using close combat. Uh, if you are successful, what it does is it now will, uh, when someone else is grappled, you can, instead of having to use a slow action to do an attempt to do something, you can now use a fast action to do it. So it makes everything a little bit, you have a little more control of the situation. And the only thing they can do is to try to use a contested close combat roll. So you basically both roll. Whoever gets the most successes wins in order to break free. Otherwise, they're just kind of stuck there. Another thing you can do is you can use your manipulation skill to rattle your opponent's nerves. If you do that, you give them a stress point. You can stand from being knocked down to one knee. Uh, so you get back up, basically negating the fact that you might be knocked completely down. That requires a heavy machinery roll and a slow action. If you roll more than one success on that, it becomes a fast action instead, so you still can use the next action to, say, attack. Uh, there are also re reactive actions. Anytime someone tries to shove you, knock you down, grapple you, you can use heavy machinery to try to counter them and reduce their successes by using your fast action. Reduce their successes so that they don't... I'm sorry, you look really confused. It's a really lot confused. of information all at once. I'm it's sorry. okay. I'm just going to let you know. Okay. I'm basically letting the listeners at home know kind of what right, you can do right. and giving you a general idea. and You just go with it. Is there like a reference sheet? Because I know I'm going to forget some of this stuff. Unfortunately. Uh, you can also uh, attempt to... Oh, or you can also move. So if you need to get out of the way, uh, retreat because you have a penalty, you know, get your climb out of a stack of crates that you got knocked into or whatever, that kind of stuff. So you basically, you just let me know what you want to do and you can do it. The object to knock them down. You need to get two close combat rolls successful, at least two successes on each one of those in order to knock them down completely. Or you can just be creative and use whatever's going on around you and make me fucking make shit up. So pick an initiative card. Dr. Ezra cheers for said hardest. All right, I got a 10. You get to go first. Okay. So you both poise in the position. Brody just gives you a dead stare. You're going down, hardesty. Bring it, manager. <laughs> what did you like to do? Um, how far apart are we right now? You are basically within arm's range of each other. Okay. Um, you can shove him, try to knock him down, grapple him, uh, try to fuck with his, per like, use manipulation to rattle <sighs> his nerves, or move around into a better position. Can I move um, slightly to, so that I'm not standing directly in front of him, I want to move. To the right. I realize that I can't move quickly or discreetly, but I'd like to. Can I move and attempt to grapple him at the same time? Yes, the movement would be the fast action. The okay. grappling would be the slow action. I think grappling says it's a fast action. It seems weird to me, but. So does that mean I can't? Because that would be doing two fast actions. No, you, uh, slow action can always be subbed out for a fast action. Okay, so I would like to move and try to grapple at the same time. Okay, uh, I'm going to have you make a heavy machinery roll to move to see how spryly you move. Because you might get bonuses from it. Okay. So you're basically trying to skirt around and flank him real quick. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. All right. Um, so roll your heavy machinery along with that stress die that you got. So does that mean roll two? You roll seven. Yeah, it'll be your heavy so machinery plus your strength. strength plus, oh, okay. I'm sorry. You also get plus three from the load lifter. So oh. I roll seven. Ten total. Ten total plus. So I roll all the dice plus my stress die. 
And then what what happens? What's the do? Explain to me this. So long as you don't roll a one, learning a new system. So long as my stress die is not a one. Yeah, you're okay, and you're gonna try and get as many sixes as possible. And if you roll a six on your stress die, that does count as a success. Yes. All right. Okay. I didn't. Oh, I got one six, but I I rolled a face hugger. Okay, so the first thing you're gonna do is make a panic roll. You get in, you skirt around, you manage to successfully maneuver yourself and it starts to kick in like you start thinking about the match and like you really can't lose to this asshole you really can't and so your stress level your stress starts to spike uh roll a six out of die and add one to it three all right you managed to keep it together though so you skirt around the side of him flanking him and he kind of turns the at the waist of the the power loader in order to face you so now you're going to make a grapple attempt, which is close combat. Okay. So yeah, that you should be better at. Yeah. So what happens if I'm over ten? I don't uh, think you're. You'll be at eleven. Okay. So I'm gonna... <laughs> Does the power loader it add gives, to that? It gives for plus the close three combat? to all close okay. combat and plus three to all heavy machine okay. rolls. You got a lot of dice. Mm-hmm. I got one six. All right. You reach in with the big fork clamps of the power loader and grab onto the cage of his power loader. So I've successfully grappled. You have successfully grappled. Yeah, yeah. get him! Got him! <laughs> and now he is going to attempt... This is exciting. Go for the hydraulics! <laughs> he is going to attempt to... And I'm actually going to not normally give enemies stress dice. They say just let them panic whenever you want them to. I'm going to give him one. And he's going to attempt to break free by using close combat. He got two successes, so he breaks free. And Oh, sorry. It's a contested close combat. So you roll your close combat again and try to get uh, two or more successes. I haven't been rolling many sixes. Get him! Get him! Fuck him up. <laughs> no, uh, one. I just won six, though. So. All right, yeah, so he breaks free. Face yes, oh, God, you also got another, got another face, face hugger. hugger. So now you're going to roll that six-sided die again and add one. See if you start stressing out. Four. Okay, you're fine. However, he also picked up a face hugger, so he's going to roll. <laughs> These dice. He's fine. So he manages use he uses his slow action to push you off, and then immediately tries to reverse the situation. Uses his fast action to attempt to grapple you. Oh no! Get him! Fuck him up! I don't know how that's all you're saying. <laughs> Fuck him up! So he got four successes with his grapple. So he latches onto you, and this is a close combat stunt he gets. So I just want to be on record as saying I never asked any of you guys to put money on me. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> So one of the stunts that he can do is to trade initiative scores with you, which becomes effective next round. So I'm going to give you this 10. Oh, balls. You're going to give me your one. What a little dick bag. And it's his turn again. (laughs) So now that he has you grappled, it's going to be a little bit easier to try to knock you down. So he's going to make an attempt to knock you down, which is close combat. Now what you can do is you can react yeah, to I want to try that. to oppose the knockdown by rolling your heavy machinery. Okay, I want to do that. Flip the script on him. 
<laughs> he got one success. You just need to roll at least one. Got him. Oh, ah! see, you got to roll them in. Well, you roll. I see I got two. Three sixes and a two, and a three, and a five. Nice. You're still one, missing a die there, aren't you? No. Yeah, one of them bounced in the air. <laughs> oh, shit. Let's re-roll another one. You should have ten dice and one stress die. So just roll one more. Yeah. Okay. Well, either way, I got three sixes. All right. He goes to grapple you, and you easily shrug him off. Or, I'm sorry, he goes to knock you down. You brace yourself and kind of push back. And uh, since you get got success on that, you can do a stunt if you want. So you can trade initiative with him. You can um, try to reverse it and attempt to knock him down. I would like to do that one. Or you can try to switch the grapple on him. Okay, yeah, I would like to try to do that. And so am I using my close combat for that? Yeah, you will, you will lose your, use your close combat. So that's 11. And versus his close combat. Do the sumo reversal. <laughs> Fuck him up. <laughs> I got three successes. He got four. No, oh. fuck off, Brody. <laughs> you yell that at him? Yeah. Fuck off, Brody. You got uh, time to lean. You got time to shut the fuck up. <laughs> he glares at you. And he uses a second action to try to knock you down again. So yeah. you... Um, you can waste your other action and take no turns next round if you want to resist this. What does that mean? It means you have one action left when it comes to your initiative. However, if you use it right now to resist this, you will have no actions and it'll just immediately go back to his turn. So that's up to you. No, I want to resist this shit. Okay. No. So that's it's going to be uh, heavy machinery to resist that. Yes. Do it! Ah! Two. He got three. Are you joking? He pushes you down and you feel one of the legs of your power lifter go out and drop to one knee, sort of like your legs almost splayed out in this odd way. You are halfway to losing and you're beginning to stress out again. You gain a stress level and thus another stress die. He smiles down at you, grins at you. It is now your turn. You only have the one action, though, because you spent the other one react. Oh, no. You have no actions because you spent both of them reacting. So you're just sitting there kind of stressing out. And then he it's his initiative again, and he uses it to try to finish you off. I thought he had to knock me down twice. Yes. He's knocked you down once. He already knocked. Wait, when did he knock me down? He just succeeded on that. You said Base. that I, I'm half down. I'm like doing like. No, no. See, the split. whole deal is instead of just knocking, getting a knockdown and thus winning, the way I've changed it is that you have to knock down twice. The first time you're knocked down, it's basically means you drop to your knees. The second time your load lifter goes all the way down. Oh, I thought you meant. Okay. All it's right. a stylistic thing. Sorry. Okay. No, it's cool. She gets knocked down, but she gets up again. All right. So um, now you do still have two actions this round later on. Uh, but that you can use to resist. So he's going to, since he still has you grappled, mm-hmm. he is going to attempt to push you all the way to the ground. Do you resist? Or are you going to rely on the dice to be your friends? I want to resist. Okay. Fuck him up. <laughs> Show them who you are. I got one success. Come on, said. Oh, we got this. You got this. 
I got two successes, and uh, I'm good on the stress. All right, two successes. I'm going to give you a close combat stunt. Ah! So you can trade initiative. Yeah. Uh, you can trade initiative. I want to trade initiative. Or you can, okay, you know, trade initiative. I want to trade initiative. Nice. All right. You're now, this take comes into effect next round. That's fine. So you're still going to get to act, and then they're going to trade, and then you're going to get to act again. Right. That's what I want to do. Okay. I guess we'll just trade them right now. No, I want to trade right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. He gets pissed off, and he, again, tries to finish the knockdown. So he's going to take one more time. Do you resist this one? I mean, does she get initiative if she resists again, though? Because, like, the turn, like, resets. Yeah, I'm confused. Well, what'll happen is she'll spend, she'll spend this round's action. She'll need, she'll have none. However, initiative swaps, so it'll immediately go to her turn again, so she'll get two actions. But if I don't resist, doesn't it immediately knock me down? If he rolls at least one six, yeah. Or no, he needs two, two sixes. Sorry. Yeah, you basically have to resist. I'd say resist. Yeah, yeah, you get a, you get a full free round. Yeah. All right, go for it. Close combat. Or, uh, sorry. Uh, you heavy roll heavy machinery. machinery, he rolls close combat. I got one and a face hugger. <laughs> oh, How many stress dice does he have now? He just has the one. I got two. Two? All right. You successfully resist as he's just, everyone around you is just watching <clears throat> as he's just pushing you and you're just like <clears throat> braced as he's pushing you back and you just keep ah! wobbling. Back and forth, like the forks of the load lifters are like wrapped up in the cages of the opposing load lifter. Two dollars and fifteen cents. <laughs> Show them the shark's bite. <laughs> so it comes to your turn at initiative ten. However, you spent all your actions, and now since you swapped initiative, you're now initiative one. So you have the opportunity to take actions. However, since you are currently grappled, the thing you need. To do t- in order to do anything else is do a contested combat roll to break free of the grapple. Okay, I want to. He that. has control of the fight right now. I want to do that. What, what is that? Is that close combat? That is going to be close combat versus his close combat. Yeah. Turn the tide, shark. Punch him in the balls. Fuck him up. Fuck him up. Fuck. Uh, two. I got two. That is enough. He got one. Yay. So you break free of the grapple. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, you have fast action left now. Uh, you can try to. I would like to try to grapple him again. Wait. You can't. You can't attempt to grapple. Yes. What's another example of a fast action I could do to this bitch? Uh, most of them are reactive. Um, you okay. can attempt to stand by using heavy machinery. However, with this particular way I'm doing it, you need to get at least two successes, or it's not a fast action. Basically, you'll fail because you don't have a slow action to spend. Okay. Um. Or you can just grapple him. I would just like to try to grapple. Okay, go for it. Close combat. I'm still kind of like doing the half splits. Yes, you're still sort of like halfway to the ground. But it would take me two actions to stand. No, it it would take you two successes. successes. Oh, I see, I see. If you fail and only get one success, then you won't be able to do it. I'm just wondering if if he's going to... Is he like also like... Where where is he? Describe his stance to me. Uh, He is standing right over you in his load lifter. And you're sort of like... Half down, like down a couple of feet from the robot's legs being splayed out. I don't want to waste my turn trying to stand up. I want to try to grapple it. Okay, go for it. Wait, is it heavy machinery or close combat? That is close combat. Three. (laughs) But two, I got two face huggers though. Okay, roll a six sided dice and add two. (sighs) 
What does that mean? What does that mean? So you got a total of eight? Yeah. All right, so you got three successes, correct? Yeah. All right, you successfully grapple him, and it's close combat, so you can do a stunt, such as trading initiative scores with him. You don't want to do anything there. Uh, what you can do, however, is you can spend both those successes in order to bring him down by one, knock him to the ground by one, by make I'll allow another roll, sort of totally tweaking the rules in this. Uh, just for people somatically fun yeah, free leagues, yeah, yeah. Free leagues game fights, is very general with the way that mechanics work so I'm just playing with it um, so you can attempt to make an immediate knockdown roll however you feeling defeat close and just barely getting out of it begin to tremble all skill rolls using agility are going to suffer a minus two modification until your panic stops no oh, yeah, that's fine that's not oh, really anything I didn't really have anything <laughs> yep. agility okay yeah. I'm good I'm good so do you want to try to like I'm bring him to down to your down. level. Take this shit, motherfucker, down. Yeah. Okay, that's gonna be heavy machinery um, or close combat. A close combat roll, okay. and he is going to burn one of his reactive actions in order to oppose you with heavy machinery. Well, I think I have one too many dice. <laughs> There's a lot of dice going on because of these load lifters. Yeah. All right. He gets two successes. Two successes to resist. Fuck him up. Fuck him up. Fuck him up. <laughs> no! I only got one. All right, and you. a face hugger. Make another panic roll. Fuck me, man. Five plus two is seven. Seven. Your eye begins twitching. <laughs> Your stress level increases by one. <laughs> grab a die. And he manages to resist as you no. try to drag him down. He braces himself and pulls back. And you're just like, you're getting really, really, the adrenaline's pumping. You're getting very angry at him. I feel like I'm giving him like the fourth Whitaker eye right now. Because like I'm all like, twitching, but like I'm angry. So the first thing he's going to do is make a contested close combat roll with you. So you're going to roll your close combat. He's going to roll his in order to break free of your grapple. Because that's all he can do. He got three successes. He's rolling better. I got one success. All right. He manages to wrench your your uh, load lifter pinchers out of the cage and kind of step back. So it's now it's back to your initiative. You're halfway down. You have two full actions, or one slow, one fast. Question. Yes. Can I um, remove my hand from its sheath in the lift loader and punch him in the face? A little too far out. You'd have to be, if you got him into a grapple, then yes. You could bring him closer and then punch him in the face. Is yes. that regulation? It, 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 <laughs> I mean, it's load lifter fights, baby. Yeah. Listen, all's fair in load lifter fighting. I want to try to, I want to try to knock him down. Okay. So no. roll a close combat roll. You need at least two successes. He is, of course, going once again going to attempt to resist it because he does not want to be knocked down he got no successes show need- him who you are I'm on vinegar's shoulders <laughs> <laughs> yeah got it yeah. I got two successes That's, and another fucking face hugger uh, you got three, three successes. successes oh I got three you get, successes yeah, you get a face hugger. and another face hugger alright so you grab once again this time instead of trying to grapple him and drag him down you just take a good swipe at his leg and He's kind of defensive, thinking you're going to try to grab for the cage again, and he's totally third off balance, and he stumbles, and kind of his one leg twists around the other one, and he 
like almost falls to the ground. It's kind of like half sitting. Ah! This is when I say, if you got time to lean, you got time to sit down. <laughs> and then, However, you are going to need to make a panic roll. Roll six sided at three. Ooh. Nine. Okay, but I need you to explain oh, no. to me like what's happening. Like why why is higher worse and what does that mean? Like uh basically you since you're adding stress levels, the more you go, the more stressful things can happen. Okay. Alright, first of all, your stress level increases by one. <laughs> oh, Man, I am not good under pressure apparently at all. You're getting pumped up. And now it says drop item. What are you gonna drop <laughs> inside um, a load lifter? A yeah. deuce in your pants? No, I refuse to poo myself. I will not be on board with that. So instead, what I'm gonna say is, uh, you just get a minus one die to the next roll okay. as you when you hit him with the fork of the load lifter, it kind of jammed it up, so it's making it a little more difficult. To okay. Okay, so that was your slow action. You still have a fast action though, so you can either. Attempt to stand up by getting two successes on a heavy machinery roll. Yeah, but aren't I also at risk of like going <sighs> fucking insane every single time I roll now? Uh, your your panic can get higher and higher. Worse things happen, yeah. Or you can attempt <laughs> to grapple him. That's don't basically, I already have yeah. him like half knocked down though? You have your doctor Yeah, friend. but you don't have enough um, leverage. You don't have a slow action, so you can't right, attempt to knock down. I will try to stand. All right, roll what those does that dice. Take? Uh, just roll them up. It's going to be, oh, sorry, uh, heavy machinery roll. With a minus one? Uh, my, yeah, minus one because of the panic. Oh, minus one, so I'm only rolling nine die. Plus all those so stress dice. dice. You need two successes to do it. The uh, audience is getting tense. Like, they were cheering, uh, yeah. and now they're watching as both Just, both combatants kind of flounder on the, halfway on the ground, looking like the first person that slaps the other ones is going to knock them over. I got only one success. So, alas, you go to stand up, and you just the leg slips up from underneath you, and you just kind of jar back into place. It is his turn. He is going to make a heavy machinery roll to stand up for his slow action. Can I use my observation to try to, like, yell out something at her, like a weakness? Yeah, make an observation roll. Hmm. <laughs> Help from your buddy. Yay, buddy! And he got a shit ton of successes on his roll. So he stands right that. up. <laughs> well, he's just standing up is all he's doing. I got one success. One success with your observation roll? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you notice that Brody, Mr. Uh, Brody the Bully Petrovic, when he moves and attacks, he seems to be sort of subconsciously following the beat of the music. So he seems to strike at very particular times. Watch out for the beat to drop, Sid. That's when he's vulnerable. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Will I give her a plus one on her next roll? Or something? I don't know. I don't know if she Yes, you'll get plus one on your next roll. Yay. However, he gets uh, to do one more thing. He Does rolled more than... the presence of her buddy reduce, reduce the stress level? Or do uh, they have, you have to, to spend time a while? Yeah. Okay. Aww. So, um... What about sitting on your buddy's shoulders? What can't I just like? <laughs> a robot fight. Can I just like like put my hand on my necklace? Actually, yeah, your stress level might have. Been uh, way yeah, it takes. Buddy, I yeah. believe. Is that like a fast use action? signature item is a slow action. Oh, okay. So basically, you have to stop and concentrate and like mm. calm down, kind of a thing. 
so what's happening now is uh, because he got so many successes standing up, it's considered a fast action instead of slow. So he uses a slow action to take one more attempt to knock you down with close combat. Okay, so I you get use, a plus one from my buddy. Yep, and you're going to use heavy machinery to resist. If you want to resist. You should have the same amount plus one that you would do for your uh, close combat. But I get the minus because of my stress die, so... No, I think that was... No, no, no. It was just no. one. Yeah, oh, okay, one so yeah. seven. So it's seven plus... Plus three for your machine. Three is ten. Plus one for the cheer for your buddy. Yeah, but it's, it's giving you advice. Oh, okay. So okay. Yep. And then all those stress dice. <laughs> Jeez, that's a lot of. I boosted advice. you like a bard. He that's rolled how I know how to do. one success and a face hugger. Fucking get it. But he's still okay. Fucking get it. <laughs> do it. So many dice. Oh, I got two successes. Three, Three successes. Face one too. I cannot count dice, apparently. All right. Um, he got one, so it gives you two up on him. So what I would allow you to do, if you want to, is burn your next slow action. Which, no, no. Huh? Oh, oh, it's because yeah. the stress die counts mm. yeah. as one. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you're good. Yeah, it, they got the little cross on them, so it's hard to notice that it's a six sometimes. Yeah. Some, okay, something you have to get used sorry. to, the aesthetic of the die. But. Okay. So what I'll allow you to do is, if you want to... I mean, I guess it's not going to matter anyway, but so it's your turn. <laughs> I was going to let you take a, an attempt to knock him down, but it's going to use your action anyway, but it's your turn anyway, so you get the action. I would Since like there's to only two combatants, it doesn't down. really matter. All right. Attempt to do it. He is going to obviously oppose you with yeah, his I'd heavy say, machinery. Yeah, I'd say she like use his momentum to try to like knock him off balance? Uh, uh, how many or? dice does she get her roll? Does she get the plus one from the buddy or no? Uh, Yeah, technically she shouldn't have got it for the last one. It should have been for this one, but whatever. Oh, then I can just... No, it's fine. Just go. Well, because I have one more if I'm using close combat. Go for it. Just roll as many as you feel like rolling. How's that? <laughs> There's so many. Like, my little hands like can, like, barely hold them. Yeah. I got two successes. Can you get four? Oh, we also got a face hugger. <laughs> I can, indeed. Yeah. I can get five. Yeah. I had yeah. five. Six. 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 Sorry, six. six. Jesus. Nice. I also got another face hugger. All right, roll your stress. Four. Wait, no, seven. Seven? All right. Your stress level goes up for just a second, and your eye starts twitching a lot, and you reach out and just start shoving him to the ground as this this thumping uh, fucking techno music in the background. Harder, better, faster, stronger. And for a moment, you start to smell smoke. You have to start to hear the sounds of bombs and missiles blowing up. And you're brought back into a memory so many years ago. You're giving me a fucking flashback. (laughs) Back on New Lycia, when Wailing Yutani came to suppress the Phoenix Uprising. And it's just for a minute, just a little flash of PTSD. And then all of a sudden you're back in the fight. And you just re- your adrenaline kicks in, and you just shove him backwards, and with a clang, the lifter <gasps> hits the ground, and people start cheering and exchanging money. And I won. You won. Yeah. Fuck yeah! <laughs> Fucking barely. I like, I like, I, <laughs> I, I, can my I, money. Okay, how hard would it be to pose 
with my hands on my hips in the stand. You got like six. You got successes, six successes. So, you so can show off is an option yeah. for us. Yeah, I'm like doing like a Buzz Lightyear flex, <laughs> and then I like put my uh, my fists on my hips, and I do a little like dance like that one dude that played football in the '90s. You know. <laughs> Victory dance. Yeah, a little victory dance. That was a close one. I I, I got such good rolls in the beginning. I did not know if you were going to go. So, do we win our initial money back and then you get. What you bet? Two to one pays. Yeah, you get double your money back. Like, you get your money back and then you get double that on top of it. Double on top of it. So, I got 200. I've got over a thousand. Yeah, I need my friends rich. As you're climbing out of your load lifter, people are running up and like, yeah, Sid, knew you could kick that dude's ass. And Odin walks up and he's like, good job. It's going to be you and me next time. Another six months. My eye twitches again. (laughs) Uh, I'm not going to make it that easy. Thanks, Norse. Appreciate you. That ought to show that Brody. Oh, he's certainly going to want a rematch, but not until I've had a chance to fight you. I stand up and approach Sid, and I pull out a uh, hypodermic from my little chest pocket. Do we have a? Do I have a nickname for you? Well, it's whatever you want. Doctor Death. <laughs> Evie, can I call you Evie? Sure. Hey, Evie, thanks so much for the tip. I think that really helped. You know. Um, not to be a bother or anything, but I see your eye twitching, and uh, come here, Uh-oh. and I take the syringe and just jab it in her arm. Ah, thanks. Appreciate it. You have just received a dose of Naproleve, which completely reduces your stress level. Yay! You feel the adrenaline drop, and your hand stops shaking, your eye stops twitching. <laughs> thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. Didn't realize how much I needed that. You can get rid of all those dinos. Mm. Oh, and Kestra, your stress levels have dropped again. Yeah, you hung out with your buddy. Yep. you been... Come yeah, buy me a chilling. drink, Vinegar. Oh, let's take shots. Fuck yeah. <laughs> so everyone's finishing up the fight. Um, congratulating Sid on her victory. Yelling at each other about how much money people owe. You said you had that money on you. You promised. You know, all sorts of fun stuff's going on. Meanwhile, the daft bot is sort of twirling around the room haphazardly because the wheels on it don't appear to be properly aligned in playing some other selection by this ancient earth band mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden orange lights begin to flash in the cargo bay this is an orange alert which means an anomaly has been found it means essentially that everyone in cryo is going to be woken up all hands on deck and for the next seven to ten days everyone's going to sit around and basically wait for them to just like the previous orange alerts, people are going to be sitting around waiting to be disappointed and then going back into cryo and resuming the journey through the, the cosmos looking for something interesting. But it's protocol, so everyone has to get to their stations and wait for orders on what to do next. So the party has to wait, at least until orders are handed out. So Dr. Norman Ezra, have to return to your lab and wait. Am I able to get some rats, some of the mice from Sid while I'm down here since she's got the hookup and knows where things are stored? Uh, you can or attempt. Do I have people are to? moving around. You might be able to grab, like, have them get you real quick. Uh, what did you need from me? Well, I needed a case of mice. Oh. And some cryo mice. 
Yeah. Where, where do I get those? Okay, uh, you know exactly you know where the, they are. Yeah, yeah, you know where all the cargo's stored. Yep. Oh, so okay. you, you run over and grab him, like basically like a little briefcase. It's got like a couple dozen mice in it. It's like a cryogenic briefcase sort of thing that's meant specifically for smaller life forms. And it's not quite as stable. Like don't bump it into anything because then the things will die and it's not actually stable like the things you all sleep in. Um, so you have your mice. If things get bad, Sid, I hope I know I can still count on you. Oh, of course. Anytime. Yeah, then the Roughnecks, they need to do their thing and get back to waiting to see if somebody needs to load some sort of cargo into some sort of shuttle to go look at some sort of nonsense. Yeah. And, of course, the pilots all immediately have to go to the shuttle bays where they will be picked out for uh, assignment and sent out to do whatever the fuck thing is going on next. And then the Marines all have to stand, uh, go basically go get armed up and prepare for a potential scouting mission if that's what's going to happen. So everyone returns back to their quarters, waiting eagerly for some sort of assignment, while hey. everybody in the cryopods is woken up. And yeah, Kestra, Kestra, you want to get drunk? Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of going back to your assigned stations, you're going to get drunk? We're going to have a drink before we go back. Okay. <laughs> you guys make a little pit stop to have a drink. Uh, I got the bottle with me. Okay. So we're just going to wander off down a side hallway. All right, you wander up down the side hallway. Wait, are the airlocks still shut? Are the bulkheads still locked? Are we locked in the cargo area? No, they opened them up immediately when the orange alert hit. Oh, I guess it wasn't that broken then. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> so, eventually the official announcement comes through. Names are read off who will be going to the shuttle bay and exploring a lifeless planet that carries the possibility Potential anomaly, um, standard complement, four marines to do the scouting, a science expert, uh, pilot obviously and co-pilot, and a work crew of four from the cargo bay to take care of general repairs and moving stuff around if scientific equipment needs to be needed, it needs to be moved around, and then one medical officer who is not currently in this game but will hopefully be in the next one. And then the names are read off, and coincidentally, all four of you happen to be on the roster. (laughs) Fancy that. What are the odds? You have one hour to get ready and to meet in the shuttle bay, where Kestra Riker will be your captain for the evening, or your your pilot for the evening. Not quite ranked captain yet. Well, she is she the ranking officer on our ship or no? Uh, technically, she will be as a corporal, yes. Okay. Because the Marines are all going to be uh, basically private second class Marines. They don't tend to send out people of higher rank uh, to these little scouting missions just because they know there's really nothing there. It's a lifeless planet. They got some reading, but maybe there's something there. Uh, nothing visual. And... Um, Kestra, you just happen to be going as a corporal because you just happen to be next on the list to have to deal with one of these things. So it's you and the guy who considers you your buddy Andy <laughs> is there as your co-pilot. Ah, oh, yes, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. You're supposed to meet one hour in the um, the shuttle bay and you arrive. Kestra, you and Andy arrive a little bit earlier. He says, hey, let's go take number 13. Let's go take number 13. Lucky 13, eh? 
And you walk up to a shuttle past 12 other shuttles, each one named Icarus, Icarus 1, Icarus 2, Icarus 3, until you reach Icarus 13, which is not Icarus 13. The story is there were supposed to be 12 ships on the Chimera, 12 shuttles used for scouting or escape purposes. Uh, They don't really have escape pods. They have shuttles. A 13th shuttle was delivered by accident. I didn't discover this until you'd already left uh, your colony of Theria. The flight commander is being an incredibly superstitious person, refused to call it Icarus 13, thinking that the first person who got in it was going to explode and die. (laughs) So for months, this ship just remained unnamed until a group of pilots, after a drunken bout of drinking, went down to the shuttle bay and decided to paint their own name on it. And since the name in the um, records was never given, they painted across the side, never given. So it's now known as the Never Given Shuttle, (laughs) as a joke. You guys thought it was very clever at the time. Uh, The letters you realize each time you see this shuttle, uh, you realize more and more how crooked they are because you guys were too drunk to hold the stencils up properly. Is this the, the ship that was named by our... Uh, yes, this is a... Uh, uh, we have a Buy Me a Coffee page, and people can pay $3 to throw a name out. And, it's such uh, a cool name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I love cool. it. <laughs> I didn't know how I was going to uh, do it, but then I made a little yeah. story about it. Yeah. Sorry, I hope it's okay that... I didn't mean to, like, break, you no, know, that's the, fine. the I story like to add. Yeah, people want to know. Yes, yeah. we have a Buy Me a Coffee page. If you Thank go, you. you pay $3, and you can get a name to a character or a place or shuttle. Well, apparently. I would like cool. to officially thank the person who yeah. named the Never Given, because that's fucking badass. That's cool <laughs> so, since uh, this little drunken incident, the, the Never Given, or old lucky number 13, has become sort of a favorite uh, shuttle for the pilots. They just It's not named. Traditionally, they've got, kind of grown fond of it. So you roll down there, start doing all the basic tune-up flight procedures, make sure everything's running on the shuttle, you know, checking the oil kind of stuff. And the rest of the crew shows up. Vic Vinegar and three other Marines. You guys got light armaments. You got armor. And you have uh, exosuits. I'm not carrying my, my heavy my heavy weaponry with me. Uh, well, I mean, you have like sort of like a like a machine gun type thing. Nothing huge. Nothing, nothing that's going to literally blow up your shuttle. But just something big enough and <coughs> damaging enough to where if you run into something hostile, that it'll most likely kill it. Listen, Vic comes back in heat. <laughs> Vic overcompensates. <laughs> can I requisition stuff before we leave? Like, can I requisition like a pistol and stuff before we actually like take off? Uh, yeah, you'll be given a sidearm just in case. I mean, there's it's all sort of precautionary by the company. You've never run into any trouble. As a matter of fact, um, you actually haven't been on one of these uh, initial anomaly flight uh, ex- uh, scouting missions yet. It's just because you've only this is only number nine of that you've run into in the last two years. But you've just heard stories. It's really boring. You go down, you land. The Marines go look around. Then if they find something funny, the scientists go out in their exosuits and look at it, uh, set up some equipment, do radiation readings, etc. They spend about three days screwing around, and then the shuttle comes back. Uh, They unpack everything. They put everybody back into cryo. And then they go on to the next system and keep searching. So, Last time we went down, the head broke. Smart scientists here couldn't even fix it. Shuttle stuck for six days. It's actually the roughneck's jobs to fix stuff like that. <laughs> so, Sid and three other roughnecks also get on board. Dr. Norman Ezra and his assistant, 
who will be coming down to represent the scientific crew, much to the chagrin of a different, not currently playing scientist. (laughs) (laughs) Cherry. Doctor. Doctor. He would spend eight years in doctor school to be called Mr. I have left a note in my quarters for Teddy. We'll set up on his little teddy bear because he doesn't have it with him. Uh, It says, uh, keep him close if you feel like you're unsafe. Daddy will be home soon. All right. He's still in crowd sleep when you leave. Well, yeah, I know. That's why I left a note. Okay. Well, they're all getting woken up. Well, he's the exception. Oh. Yeah. Oh, because well. he's not part of the crew. I have a note. I left a note in case. Okay. So, you begin the pre-flight procedures, etc., and then fly down to this small little rock, barely, you know, barely big enough to be a planet. This gray fucking lump of earth stuck, you know, floating around the star. And you come in, there's no atmosphere, there's no turbulence, there's nothing stopping you. It's uh, you As you get closer and bring the uh, shuttle down, you just see this rolling landscape of a dead world. The whole thing just looks like lumpy and bumpy, like it's just these rolling hills, but it's obviously just gray and ugly and you know, dirty rock. Until you reach the area where the anomaly was detected. From up above, you can see that the rolling hills kind of stop at this area of the anomaly, and it just looks like there's a huge round valley there. With like one little hill in the middle. So it's just, it's kind of an odd um, landscape amidst the rest of the landscape. Is there anything out of the ordinary that I can notice from the air? Uh, make an observation roll as you examine these scanners over the shoulder of the pilots. I rolled a success. Okay, you just noticed that as you're looking at the rest of the world, and you're looking at the scanners and starting looking at the, the geographical makeup as it's being mapped out, this area, this valley amidst these hills, it's very, very, almost perfectly round, which is incredibly unusual to occur naturally. You suspect that maybe uh, like some sort of weapon hit it or something. It's um, It looks like something happened outside of the normal geological processes that caused this. So it's definitely an anomaly of some sort. Doctor, begin recording. Uh, yes, of course. <laughs> I'm saying that to myself because I'm oh. turning oh, it on. Sorry, I thought you were talking to me. Oh, no problem. Reporting a large crater, too spherical and perfect in a notion to uh, seem to be naturally occurring. Possible beginning to guess, deduct um, what could have caused this. Can I help him by doing like a like a flying around kind of thing before we land? Uh, yeah, I can do a flyby. Yeah. Uh, you don't really discover too much uh you do you do detect like small trace bits of radiation so it very possibly could have been a weapon that caused this let's suggest landing on the outer ring and uh proceeding from there okay so you find a nice spot to lay down just over like kind of behind a couple of hills before it reaches the area and then vic vinegar you and the other marines suit up as the initial scouting party Get in your exosuits, grab your weapons, and you march out the shuttle. Up. All right, boys, let's go get these anomalies. Yep. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Another safe landing. <laughs> so you march over a hill, and you come out. you got your cameras on, so those of you on the shuttle can kind of look and see what the feeds are. 
Except Sid's probably, I don't know if Sid's interested in looking at the feats or she's just yeah. hanging out with the other no, roughnecks. No, she's just hanging out with her kind <laughs> and smoking. yeah, smoking, having a cig. I've pulling up a separate feed to track uh, the GPS tracker and little Teddy. Okay. Just kind of looking at it idly every now and again, making okay, sure it doesn't okay. move. So you come up uh, uh, over this hill and you see this big round area and you see in the middle of the round area, pretty much at the dead center is another hill. So it's like this weapon hit, but left one hill. And uh, Dr. Norman Ezra, you're technically in charge of directing the Marines. What would you like them to do? You want us to kill that hill? (laughs) Proceed with caution and please chuckle. (laughs) Let's take it out, boss. Proceed with caution and please take reading of the radiation and note if it starts to spike as you get closer. Uh, do, do, presumably we have a radiation sensor of some sort. Yeah, the radiation's very low level, as if it's, uh, probably was very radioactive at one point, but it's been a long-ass time, so the radiation has gone down. Oh, so it's just, like, like residual. residual. yeah. Okay. Nothing that's Making gonna Making sure hurt, that yeah. nothing spikes, yeah. If you hung out here without a suit on for a couple of years, you might get, start getting ill, but it's nothing, you know, incredibly intense. Yeah, 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 we, we've seen this before. Let's do this, boys. All right. So the sun is currently on the opposite side of this planetoid, uh, which makes it difficult to see. So you have like these sort of large half spotlight, half flashlights that you're using to navigate around. Um, do I shake it to start it? No, <laughs> it's not. It's not a broken ass <laughs> flashlight. You just click it on. You got your cameras. Oh, you're talking um, about those ones where you like charge it by running the coils through. Yeah. They don't have batteries. I would like everyone, except for Sid, because you're not watching anything, to make an observation check. Wait, including myself? Yep. You're on the ground. All right. Hold on. I got to pull these out of here. No successes. Anybody? I am going to push in your roll. I'm going to push your roll? All right. You start to... You're watching and you're looking... think you see something you want to see something and you start to get agitated and your stress starts to to build up yep you got two successes okay uh just so i did not make mine (laughs) i did not get a face hugger but all right so you got an extra success so you get to ask me a question after i explain to you what's happening you see the lights kind of flashing across, and then you start to notice things. The ground is pretty well flat, and it's it's kind of lumpy and bumpy. I mean, natural atmosphere, the natural sort of order of space and being a piece of dirt has been torn apart by this and that. See small craters here and there from where probably stray uh, meteors or whatever may have run into it. But what you do notice is that as this group of Marines is walking, about five feet on either side of the Marines, you see a small raised area. Seems to like stretch out and kind of curve off. One on one side curving off to the right and the other one curving off to the left. You can ask me one question to clarify due to your success. Is it moving? It is not moving. It, that one doesn't even count. It appears to be a raised piece of the earth about um, a foot and a half wide. Very consistent. Think okay. of a foot and a half wide thing that just stretches... One on one side, one on the other, and they both kind of curve off. On the side of what? Of a uh, perfectly of, round? No, on the side of where the Marines are marching. So there's like one on one side, one on the other. 
this like little raised patch of earth. You're we're walking. You're walking into towards the the um the perfect the middle, right? Spherical. You're walking into the valley, right? Yeah, and the valley yeah. has a raised thing in the middle. Yeah, like and a, it's it has like a round. hill. No, no, the, the the in the middle of the valley, far off, you see a hill. But yet, to the either side of you, you didn't notice it. About a foot and a half wide are these like raised sections that go lengthwise that are only about a couple inches tall. But what was the round thing you were talking about? I thought that's where we were walking. The valley itself is perfectly round. All I can see is like two like raised like pathways. Yeah, think of them as little raised pathways. Around the perfectly round valley? The valley itself is massive and perfectly round. That you detected on the scanners, but that has nothing to do with this. So we're walking towards the valley still. You are in the valley, walking toward the hill in the middle of the valley. Do the race... Looking around. Okay. I Do the raised sections seem to be symmetrical? Very, very symmetrical. Okay, well, that's not generally occurring in nature. You, now, you can have... Remember, you have control of the squad. You can I tell them to do certain things. I'm going to ask them to halt and inspect what the little raised area is carefully, trying to uncover to see what it is. You want us to kill that raised area, boss? <laughs> 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 All right. It it takes you a minute to figure out what the doctor is talking about, but then you look down to your right and your left, and you see these raised areas. You kind of look in on them. They look like the bases of walls that have been where most of the wall has been torn up, and they all they appear to be going laterally. But there's a general curve to them. And as you continue to walk, you reach an area where one curves to the right, one curves to the left, and then across from you is another one that curves, sort of uh, in the like reverse bow toward you there's a very very distinct pattern to them it looks like they are circles that are raised areas that used to be walls perhaps circular one here one there one here one there like in a uh, think of like a beehive like pattern and we're, we're crossing over them now as yes. we're walking and they're they're about how tall they're only a few inches tall roughly it looks like what if they were walls at some point, something very violent happened to destroy them, and all that's left are the very bases of them. What, what is the floor of the valley made of? Dust, rock. And what are the raised areas made of? Uh, you want to lean down and inspect them closer? Uh, sure. All right, you lean down and start messing with them. They appear to be made of some sort of metal. Do I have to make a roll? Uh, no, it's pretty obvious. They're, I mean, you can make an observation roll to learn more. Uh, sure. All right, go for it. Uh, two successes. Okay, so you can ask me one specific question. Um, you already know that they appear to be made out of metal. You tap them, they make a little dinging noise. Um, they're old and covered in dust and so forth, so it's difficult to sort of, like, make out what type of metal they might be. Maybe titanium? Um, does Vic Vinegar look badass when he's inspecting the metal wall? <laughs> Is that your question? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, my question is, I mean, obviously they're artificial and my character's not very smart, so I can't really, is it me as a person asking a question or my character asking a question? It is a, it is a question your character can, uh, you can ask me a question that's something your character might discover. So you're just asking me a question to clarify or get further information on this particular thing that you're observing. Oh, um, does the beehive-like pattern look like each of the combs were fully contained, or are they like? Is it more of like a maze-like pattern? 
Um, so you wander around and kind of look a little bit further. And Dr. Ezra and, of course, Kester is there as well. See this. As you're wandering around, you realize that they are all... You get the very distinct feeling that each of these round areas was a large room and that this area between were, was a series of hallways, curving hallways that go through these rooms. Kind of like a beehive-like pattern, except you would have walked down these hallways completely around each one of these rooms. And just from the size of the valley and the size of the rooms, you reckon there's the potential for there to be hundreds of these. Whatever the structure was, was a beehive-like structure of hundreds of circular rooms intersected by walls. None of the rooms touch each other. Seems perfectly natural to me. Maybe we should head back to the ship. It's up to you, Doctor. I'd like to get a more accurate reading of what's at the center, but... You want to send them to the center? You are in, you are in charge of yeah. this mission. Do we have pups on board? <laughs> Do you have what on board? Pups. The, like, scanners. Oh, uh, like motion sensors? They're, like, hovering things like that you throw out and they scan the area. Like, they map geological areas for you. Uh, I don't like, know. Is that in an Aliens yeah. movie? I don't it's remember that thing. <laughs> oh, they used it in uh, Prometheus. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I would assume so, sure. Uh, I'd say um, err on the caution of side of safety and come back and we'll send out the pups to map the area. This is quite interesting and this is quite clearly not a natural occurring element. Here. I have a PDAT on me if you want to stay here and map it. Or you're going to stay here. You can just send the pups out. They work on their own. Um, or or we'll back. just we'll just take these two guys here, uh, Rodney and and Joshua. Uh, why don't you guys go ahead and you scout the middle? Uh, you you're both brave. They they look over at you like uh I'd rather have as much defense as here and uh, not exactly threaten the lives of people around here. That look that like there's anything out here to threaten. You want us to check out the middle of this thing or what? I'm sending the pups out anyways to map the area, but you can investigate that center if you want, or you can come back. All right. The Marines look to you for guidance, Vic Vinegar. We want to look at it or what? Come on, boys. Let's uh, let's go take a look. All right. Pups go out and start scanning the area, and these readings are coming back just as you suspect. It's sort of concentric circles, like are these circles everywhere with these sort of hall-like patterns around them until it reaches the edge of the valley where there's a much, much thicker uh, wall base. Like, there was all contained within something. You reach the center of the valley, and the closer and closer you get, the more you realize this is obviously not a hill. Not a what? It's obviously not a hill at the center. You get closer, it's made of metal. The same metal that these wall bases are made of, except it's completely intact. And as you get closer, you approach this thing, and it's it's fairly large. It's just this large metal dome. And about the time you come within about eight feet of it, there's a hiss. The side of the dome opens up. Two doors slide back and reveal a room inside, which appears to be glowing, sort of orangish-yellow light. And the only thing you can see in this room, deep in this room, is this large pillar-like structure standing at the center of the room, and it begins to light up like a computer, some sort of odd computer. And that's where we're going to end it for now. 
I feel like I only actually caught like half of that. You can come back. Well, and you can always to listen. Need to listen, because yeah, yes. I'm so sorry. It was just. Yes, apologize again to the listeners. I usually manage to get the background noise out, but our recording space is getting busier and busier, so we are going to be changing recording spaces so that we stop having the battle excited people outside doing exciting things. Yeah. In either case, thank you for listening. Um, let's see here. Uh, we have a Twitter thing if you want to do the Twitter stuff, if you like the tweeties, Romagen at Romagen. Uh, we have a Buy Me a Coffee page. Buy me a coffee, a page. Buy me a coffee, a page. Buy me a coffee, for me. So you can uh, donate money to help us out, and we name things after you, like the shuttle tonight. And we have an Instagram. It's Romageddon, and the great Molly takes care of that one. Yes, I didn't take pictures this week, but it's okay because Mel wasn't here anyway, and I'll yes, get pictures. And hopefully, Mel will be back next week. All right, uh, I have been Jason. I have been the game master. I have been Jordy playing Dr. Norman Ezra. Been Sam playing Kestra. I have been and still am Molly playing Sid Hardesty. Ali playing Victor Vic Vinegar, Colonial Marine and hey. General Badass. <laughs> and we'll we'll be, yeah, we'll find out here in a minute. I mean, I guess in a couple weeks. We will be back with the next episode where everybody's going to be playing a different character back on board the Chimera while everybody is out scouting strange Alien uh, rooms and shit. You guys are just waiting to find run head face into an egg sack, aren't you? <laughs> you think it's going to be that easy? You well, think they're I'm not, not going to be hiding somewhere? You sent four colonial marines and you didn't give three of them names. So, uh, <laughs> I feel, they're all wearing red shirts. I feel like I could egg one or two of them on into some... <laughs> Alright, uh, thank you for listening. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Leave a message on Twitter and let us know what you think or something. Anyway, bye-bye for now. Hey guys, oh I'm Dr. Norman Ezra. <laughs> you guys want to ride dragons? I'm just the normal one in my group. I'm just the nice guy that drives everyone home at the end of the night. Welcome, welcome. This is DJ Disco. My man, long-haired Steve. And my other man, short-haired Steve. Define stunt. Stunt? Yeah. I just said it. Cool Do shit. Say it again. Someone was too busy Instagramming. TikTok. TikTok. I lost my notes. I'm gonna get a pause break to like make weird noises and groan and stuff and <laughs> crack it out. <laughs> to be over yeah. thirty, you mean? We need yeah. a break to be yeah. over thirty. Turning thirty <laughs> <Like our> pads. <laughs> <Seriously>. <laughs> Y'all got problems.